Hello and welcome to this special edition of Middle East Matters on Lebanon's parliamentary elections. I'm Julia Kim. This year's vote is the first time the Lebanese people will get to have their say after 2019's failed mass protest movement, the coronavirus pandemic and 2020's devastating Beirut port blast. A succession of crises exacerbated by a crippling economic crisis, which is approaching its third year with no end in sight. Now, on May 15th, polls open nationwide to decide Lebanon's fate. The Lebanese diaspora, estimated to be double the size of the domestic population, cast their ballots last week. About 60% of people across 58 countries turned out, slightly higher than the last elections in 2018. Well, our guest today is Diana Menem, Managing Director of Kuluna Irada, an advocacy group for political reform funded by Lebanese citizens. Diana, thank you very much for joining us on the program today. Can you, first of all, give us a sense of what the mood is among Lebanese people ahead of these elections? You could sense on the streets that people have had enough, that this time they will vote uh, differently. Of course, there's a concern, especially among the Sunni community, that there will be some boycotting uh, to the elections, especially after uh, Sunni leader Saad Hariri had uh, had actually retreated ahead of the elections and called for a boycott. Now, of course, no show dedicated to Lebanon's parliamentary elections can begin without first explaining its unique political system. France 24's Jean-Emile Jamin takes a look. At its origins, the Lebanese system of government was designed to distribute political power proportionately according to the demographic weight of its different religious communities. The initial objective in 1943, when Lebanon gained independence, was to promote community and togetherness. The Maronite president at the time, Bashara al-Khuri, and his Sunni prime minister, Riyad al-Sol, enforced this principle by concluding what came to be known as the National Pact. This oral agreement states in principle that the post of president be held by a member of the Maronite Christian community, that the post of prime minister be given to a Sunni Muslim, and that the post of president of the National Assembly be given to a Shiite Muslim. The distribution, based on the 1932 population census, has worked in favor of Maronite Christians who were in the demographic majority. But over the decades, the trend has reversed, with the allocation of power increasingly challenged by the country's Muslims. In 1975, civil war broke out, reflecting the growing tensions between the different faiths and political parties. Then, in 1989, the Taif Accord put an end to 15 years of conflict. While attempting to rebalance the relationship between the communities, it kept intact the principle of a tripartite system of governance, but the powers of the Maronite president were reduced in favor of the Sunni head of government and the Shiite-led parliament. The Taif Accord also dictates that the parliament should include an equal number of Muslims and Christians. Within these two groups, 10 religious communities are allocated reserved seats in the various constituencies according to their demographic weight. In parliamentary elections, the list may be multi-faith depending on the alliances between the parties. 128 deputies are elected every four years. They then elect the President of the Republic for a six-year term. Now, Diana, you and many others believe this fragile sectarian power-sharing system no longer represents the country and no longer serves the people. Give our viewers an idea of what the main problems with this system are. 
The problem with the system, Julia, is that it offers the different sectarian leaders the ability to control and monopolize representation over their sects. They monopolize access to what should be state services to all citizens, thereby allowing the state to treat its citizens unequally and to favor only those ha that have close relationship with the sectarian uh, uh, leaders. It also allows them to keep a certain circle of influence, to share the pie, so as to speak, among themselves. This is a very uh, delicate balance that they try to keep. They protect each other, although visibly they try to attack each other, but in reality they protect each other in order to each protect their share uh, of uh, the pie. Now, speaking of the political establishment, Saad Hariri withdrew from political life. Would you say this is an opportunity for Hezbollah to gain even more power? And what would that mean for Lebanon? Hezbollah has been in control of the country for several years now. Even when Saad Hariri was in power in, in, in the later years, uh, he was but a facade to a power-sharing system which had Hezbollah at its center. They call the shots today. Now, of course, in terms of elections, yes, especially among the Sunni community, Saad Hariri's withdrawal has created a vacuum. Hezbollah will try to take a piece uh, of that vacuum. And yes, there is um, a concern that the, um, the Sunni MPs in the Hezbollah bloc will increase in the upcoming elections and will maybe counterbalance the loss of some of Hezbollah's Christian allies in parliament. So Hezbollah will try to compensate with Sunni allies this time the loss of some of his Christian allies after they have lost their popularity massively. Now, we're seeing this year, of course, Lebanese activists who were part of 2019's protest movement forming these anti-establishment parties to take on the country's ruling parties. What do you make of their chances in these elections, given that they're so fragmented? So first, um, yes, the, the, the change movement is not as unified as one would have wished to see it, but in its majority, in their majority, the change movements are aligned on basic political principles. Now, of course, we don't expect a sweeping victory for the change movement. The electoral law itself is tailor-made in order to allow the uh, sectarian leaders to win. The landscape, as I already mentioned, you have a lot of clientelism, you have uh, a lot of uh, aggressivity, you have a, a lot of blackmailing on behalf of the uh, establishment parties vis-a-vis -vis the electorate. So the landscape is extremely difficult and therefore it hinders a real, uh, a real landslide in the upcoming elections, but definitely change has started. You will definitely see new faces in parliament. You will see for the first time a block in parliament that is non-confessional, that does not seek to represent one sect and one sect only, but seeks to represent all the Lebanese. This block is there to stay and it is there to grow, and this gives all the Lebanese a lot and a lot of hope.
Now, speaking of change, Lebanon ranks, of course, among the lowest uh, country when it comes to female representation in parliament in the world. Among Arab countries, it comes in 15th out of 17th. Our correspondent Sally Farhart uh, in Beirut had this report about the female candidates who are trying to make a difference in this year's vote. Ani Safarian is among the 118 female candidates running for the 2022 parliamentary elections in Lebanon. In this neighborhood, she meets daily with her team to follow up on her electoral campaign and listen to the demands of her community. After the blast, I lost my job. And it was an alarm because suddenly the measurements that I had set for my life have changed. It can't get any worse than this. And here I am, I have this opportunity to, to even have this highest level of empowerment. This year's elections witnessed a 37% increase in women participation in comparison to the 2018 elections. However, females still make up only 16% of the total number of candidates. Let's give credit to women in this because actually they are doing this without any support. Uh, we have a lack of strategy uh, at national level. We have a lack of participation and willingness from political parties to empower women. Uh, we have also a lack of, in the general environment, uh, we live in patriarchal societies. Habouba Oun is another candidate who decided to run for the elections because she believes in the importance of having more women in decision-making positions. Countries across the globe have taught us that adopting gender-based quotas is the best way to ensure an equal access to politics for women. Our hope is that everyone can practice politics equally, regardless of their gender. To ensure more female representation in the parliament, Habouba's team is raising awareness about the importance of giving the preferential vote to a female candidate. Women candidates can understand us and our struggles better, so it's inspiring to get them our vote. We hope women will take the lead in electing female candidates to ensure a more representative parliament. While Lebanon's politics remains male-dominated, on May 15, the Lebanese have the chance to change the narrative and cast their votes towards a more gender-balanced parliament. And finally, Diana, what do you think are the most pressing issues in this year's elections and what needs to be done? The Lebanese uh, in this election will have to decide whether to vote for the establishment that has actually been in a deadlock for so long, that has been unable to bring any solution to the biggest socioeconomic crisis that the country is passing through, or whether to vote for new progressive wave of uh, politicians and their decision will affect two big battles in parliament. The first is what kind of socioeconomic solutions will be put in place as the country gets ready to sign a deal with the International Monetary Fund as the establishment tries to push for solutions that are unfair towards depositors and the population at large, the new wave of politicians has taken to itself to defend uh, the rights of the depositors and of the majority of the population. And the second big uh, issue is who gets to be elected as Lebanon's new president in the last quarter of this year. Will it be a pro Hezbollah and pro-establishment president, or will it be a president that really represents the aspirations of the Lebanese? Okay, Diana Manem, thank you very much for joining us on Middle East Matters. For more on Lebanon's parliamentary elections, stay tuned to France 24.
familia de Tripoli venir beaucoup pour les habitants. Bienvenidos a las noticias de France 24. Thanks very much for joining us. Ana me confío a Rafa y a Dalian. Ravi de volver por África Hebdo al programa esta semana. Lo nos va a ver en una o en otra. Bien rectos con la media. This storm has hit New York City. A lot. Madagascar fait face à une seconde vague meurtrière. Almost 99 million of you watch us every week, so thank you. Shukran. Gracias. Your confidence means a lot to us. Muchas gracias. Shukran. Thank you. Merci du fond de mon cœur. Liberté, égalité, actualité.